0: Let's go ahead and begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for bringing us all together uh, safely to study your word. I pray that uh, our time would be well-pleasing to you, uh, that you'd build us up and uh, edify us and uh, teach us in your word, uh, that we would have hope in your son and uh, in the, the good news of Uh, your salvation uh, in and through him. And we pray that your spirit would be with us and that you would teach us and instruct us uh, from your word and that uh, we wouldn't just uh, know your word, but that we would know you and your son all the more. So we pray in his name. Amen. All right, well, tonight I'd like to begin uh, with uh, Genesis, and we'll be looking at more of an overview of the structure and the main purpose and theme uh, tonight, Uh, and then, Lord willing, uh, if everything goes as planned, uh, we'll start to get into the creation account uh, next week. And so, just looking at the structure, first... I'd, I'd just like you to open up to Genesis, uh, chapter twelve, uh, verse six. I want you to do something that uh, I may never uh, recommend again. I want you to ignore the context. Uh, pretend you've never read. You've never read Genesis. You don't know what comes before. You don't know what follows. And look in verse six. And so, if you read along, Abram passed through the land. Let's let's see. Uh, for some reason, I have the wrong verse number. I actually, looked at verse ten. As you look across the first sentence, you see this word "land." Just focus on that. Now, "land" uh, in in the English right here, uh, "land" can be you know just kind of earth and ground. Uh, people maybe come from a faraway land. Could be a region. It could be uh, a territory that someone lives in. Uh, maybe even social, cultural, political area that people live in. Uh, planes, in, in English anyway, they land. Uh, even some people say that cats land on all fours all the time. And so there are all sorts of things that "land" can mean, and without the the context, it's ambiguous. Uh, we 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 don't even know what's going on. So let's just look a, a little more at this first sentence. Now there was a famine in the land. Okay? We, we don't know where this is. We don't know who it involves or, or anything. It really doesn't tell us a whole lot. But if we go to the next, the next sentence, Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. The end. Don't you just love happy endings? That's a pretty good story. You know, you you have have a a problem that arises, plot development, it's resolved. He went and sojourned in Egypt. Uh, I guess that's that. Well, if we add a little little more of the context, you know, the structure of Genesis, uh, then we would start to realize that uh, Yahweh God, the one true living creator God, who we'll find is the God of the Israelites, uh, he created Uh, all things in six days very good and rested on the seventh day. And then the man and the woman uh, listened to the serpent and rebelled uh, against him, uh, bringing uh, upon a curse uh, upon the serpent, upon the land, the ground, punishment upon them, a conflict uh, between uh, the woman and her respective offspring and the serpent and the man and the woman and the man and the land. And as you approach here with... God already having judged the entire earth except for the eight, uh, including Noah and those who are with him, uh, and then man rebelling once more at the Tower of Babel and God scattering them, now he's called Abraham out from this people to the land he will show them uh, to be a blessing to all nations, to all the earth, uh, to restore God's, uh, the fullness of God's presence, his provision his blessing and rule over all the earth and all the nations. Uh, And he's promised to your offspring, I will give this land. And so now there's a famine in the promised land, which even raises questions about what kind of land is this? He comes in here, God's called him out, and now there's a famine. And so Abraham, what's he going to do? Takes off for Egypt. Uh, and that's going to lead to all sorts of problems uh, saying of uh, Sarai she's my sister and the Egyptians are going to take her and it's, it's going to go well for Abraham but or, or Abram at this point Avram uh, but it's going to endanger uh, all of God's promises uh, the covenant he's going to make with them uh, his presence, his provision, his blessing uh, to restore and establish all these things in all the earth and so context is incredibly important to even begin to comprehend what's going on here uh, to understand a single word like land which in english and even hebrew is it's ambiguous what what do you mean land what land are we talking about well it's the it's the promised land uh, that yahweh called abraham out of his own people out of his father's house and away from all of his at every bond uh familial, uh, social uh his people uh the protection that would be there to be separate uh to become god's people and so that just shows a little bit of why context is so important and why uh, understanding a little more of the bigger picture and the structure is important so tonight we're, we're going to look at some of that big picture and just as a house has structure uh different materials uh Concrete, uh, different kinds of metals, wood. Uh, has parts, foundation, uh, boards, uh, sheetrock, uh, insulation, which form even walls and ceilings and rooms, which then uh, people f- furnish uh, to serve special functions and live in, uh, in a house, uh, bathrooms, kitchens, uh, bedrooms, uh, places where people uh, live and raise families. Uh, so to... Uh, n- narratives, a historical narrative like uh, Genesis uh, has it has structure it has uh, different parts it has uh, background where maybe we learn a little bit about the setting that things are going to take place in before creation uh, in the beginning that's where it takes place God created the heavens and the earth the earth was formless and void darkness was over the face of the deep Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water just describing the setting to then understand the creation events that follow. And so sometimes you have setting, uh, where it takes place, when it takes place, uh, and then the foreground events that move the narrative forward. And those build up into scenes and episodes and sections and books, uh, chapters and sections and books. And so I want to look at some of the big picture tonight. And we'll be looking especially at this some pronounce it. Uh, some modern Hebrew speakers, uh, toldot or uh, toledot. Uh, so either way, I'll probably say uh, toldot for for short. So what's the singular of that noun? <laughs> good, good question. You you don't see it too much. So, <laughs> um, I actually might have it right here. Let's see. I mean, it would be like Tolda. I'd, I'd expect something like that, but maybe we'll I look that we'll look that up early, later.
1: Is it an OT ending, one of the plural endings?
0: Yeah, yep. I'm just so used to the IM. Yeah, IM is masculine. TH is, oh, TH is feminine. It's the of the noun. So. And so here, look at this uh, chart uh, that I've put together. And told out uh, it's basically generations so it's a good translation but we're, we're going to see it has to do with uh, with genealogy uh, with uh, the progeny of a forefather uh, that comes forth and uh, the bible sense lexicon says uh, they gloss it genealogy and say uh, a genealogical record of successive uh, generations of uh, kin and This occurs 39 times in the Old Testament, uh, 29 times in the Torah, uh, and 13 in Genesis, and 11 of them are in these genealogies that we see here. They even have a column, uh, uh, Todot or uh, Toledot. And really, besides the the creation account, uh, where everything begins uh these generation sections introduce uh new sections uh in point forward uh every time as you uh go along and so let's just go uh for instance to uh genesis 2 verse 4 Uh, in between, uh, the creation account that starts at the beginning of the book of Genesis uh, and sets everything in the context of God's universal, uh, good, uh, very good uh, creation. Uh, everything uh, starts and begins there. And then having uh, 11 Toldot sections, generations, uh, along the way, uh, basically divides the whole of the book up into 12 uh, major uh, sections. And so, just look at verse 3. As you get to the end of the creation account, you have this repetition that God rested, he completed uh, the creation on on the seventh day. Uh, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work uh, that he had done in creation. Uh, also important, uh, we had a Sunday school a while back just looking at the theme of sevens and how uh, the theme of seven and completion structured uh, the whole in the conclusion of uh, the creation account. So then you go into the Toldot account and it introduces a new section. Uh, there are some who say that it points back, uh, but we'll see more as we study along the way. Uh, they primarily draw upon uh, certain uh ancient like tablets uh and narratives that were written and on some of them uh, they'd have kind of a colon or a little section at the end uh, that would signify the end of a tablet and then they kind of read that into genesis but you kind of have to deal with a genesis on its own terms and we'll see that it points forward forward uh to uh, the progeny uh, that comes forth and here uh, we, don't have, we don't have a human one. The rest will be humans, uh, and we'll have the patriarchs and such uh, that come along the way, uh, all the way to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, their 12 sons in Judah. But here, verse 4, uh, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth uh, when they were created, in the day that Yahweh God made the earth and the heavens. And there, it's kind of back uh, back to back. It's kind of a little chiasm uh, or bookends in that uh, very verse. Uh, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that Yahweh God made the earth and the heavens. And then earth and heavens is reversed. So it all goes together. Some try and put the first part of that back with the creation account. Uh, but. These are the generations. what are <laughs> keep reading <laughs> it's it points forward technical expression is a cataphoric uh, expression, but just forward pointing it points it points forward uh, to what uh, what comes and in this account uh, you'll see that uh, the man and the woman are going to be the first progeny of god's creation, and so it goes looking from all of creation in the creation account, where the man and the woman were made, now back to focus on basics in particular in the creation of man and what happens afterwards. And so God will create the Adam, human, from the Adamah. And then he'll create the Isha, woman, from the Ish. And so uh, the man, first human, comes from the Adamah, the ground earth land uh, he's he part of basically the same created stuff as everything else uh, he's, he's created, uh, and then the woman comes forth from him, and so they're basically the first uh, progeny of a uh, god's creation, and really the the highest. you, you have the uh, the beasts and uh, all of the animals and such. Uh, but humans are the the pinnacle of God's uh, creation. Yeah, Jim.
1: I just want to ask this without getting into a lot of detail, this, there's a lot of detail, it's really necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the way this hits here, these two sentences—it's unusual, mm-hmm. but they do—they do, to me, talk about more naturally talk about what they was just said what was just that? Mm-hmm. But I also sense that it's a join a join a joining phrase mm-hmm. between a very distinct I you know, want you call it a pericope mm-hmm. in the New Testament and and something very different. Mm-hmm. It, does it matter if yeah, you it, have it, a very distinct way of interpreting it, does it matter that it that it be pointing forward mm-hmm. then that it be pointing back?
0: Yeah, it will. Uh now you're, uh, I'd agree with you on part, and uh, we're going to talk about it more. But it's also it's kind of a hinge phrase, and so, uh, like Kenneth Matthews says, a commentator, he'd say that points points forward. But you come to the end of a section, it kind of picks up and draws on uh, the creation that God has made, and then draws forward. And we'll see that with the it, the right. genealogies and such further, along I'll the way. Yeah.
1: mm Mm-hmm. It's more than Generations of the heavens and the earth, mm-hmm. not people necessarily. Mm-hmm. Maybe including people because mm-hmm. the story before did include
0: people. Uh, the, the problem with that is, if you go listen to uh, our Sunday school, and maybe maybe you know it's fine uh, if you take a different view and such. But if you go back and I listen to, to that to the, to the Sunday school on the theme of sevens that did within the last couple years, I can put that up online. Uh, it doesn't, and we'll be looking in a gr- great amount of detail, uh, it doesn't fit into the structure of the first section. In fact, it would actually destroy the structure of the first section uh, where you have this uh, conclusion. And we looked at all of these uh, segments, for instance, uh, of uh, just even God's name appearing uh, 35 times Elohim. Uh, and that's, that's uh, thematic. Uh, you see the same thing. Uh, for like day and such uh, throughout it uh, and all of the, the component parts along the way uh, and it, even when you use like uh, pronoun references and such his name appears like 49 times I, I want to so, make clear yeah.
1: I don't see it as part mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. I see it as the next narrator Oh yeah, it's completely different voice the next narrator's account of you're going to hear a lot of catalogs.
0: You yeah. Know, heroic catalogs. Mm-hmm. Are
1: you familiar with the heroic catalog at Homer? hmm There's, you've just heard a heroic catalog of the generations mm-hmm. of the heaven and the earth. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. There's a lot more interesting mm-hmm. things about the. Generations. Oh yeah. And
0: so, then, so you see it kind of introducing the the next part. Yeah. yeah exactly. I think yeah. that's exactly right. It's
1: not even a part of that previous story. It's part of. Although the
0: next they're story. they're intricately woven together, and we'll see that as well. Uh, for instance, God's thing. name then appears another 35 times, I just to see why 70 it altogether, I just to see and, why with, it and with the man, the woman, and such, too. Okay. Uh, but some of the details uh, we'll have to pick up on, you know, when we're working, uh, working through, again, less the big picture. But then go to uh, Genesis chapter 5. And we'll also uh, see that there are uh, some problems as far as, uh, for instance, uh, when you get to uh, Ishmael's uh, Toledot, uh, the whole previous section, all of Abraham's story, instead of being about the progeny of Terah, where throughout it you get Abram, what happens to his brother Nahor, his descendants, his nephew Lot, uh, Ishmael, Isaac, Uh, going to the end uh, in the continuing of the promises the whole previous section would be about Ishmael which is just not the case Uh, and the the same would happen with uh, Esau Uh, all of of the narrative in Isaac's, about Isaac's progeny Esau and Jacob uh, and most of it's taken up by Jacob and his progeny Um, it would all become about Esau, uh, everything that precedes and by the time you get to Jacob at the end, the whole end of Genesis, there be no no Toledo, no no generations uh, at the end. But it's about it's about Jacob and his progeny, uh, Joseph and Judah, and how his brothers sell him into slavery. Uh, and and so at the end of these, even you'll see like at the end of uh, Tera's account, which focuses on his progeny and Abraham. Uh, is very central to that uh, you'll see that Ishmael and Isaac will bury Abram at the end in uh, the same at the end of Isaac's uh, Jacob and Esau will bury uh, will bury uh, Isaac uh, at the end of that as well and so each one uh, picks up then it's very interested with the, the progeny but what we'll see is that doesn't mean that the forefather is unimportant in uh, in fact here, go to, go to uh, Genesis uh, chapter 6. Well, actually, uh, 6 verse 9. And so you have the generations of Adam. And that leads through his whole genealogy, his whole line. And it's the scroll of the genealogy of Adam. And it draws that all out, all the way to uh, to Noah. And then you have the the sons of God and and the rebellion of man over all the earth. And then it turns uh, to uh, chapter 6, verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Uh, Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth.
1: In some of those examples, they Mm -hmm. launch.
0: Right
1: into a catalog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a lot of them, which was troubling me, mm-hmm. versus for versus for him. Well, that's kind of not, like, yeah and, that, yeah, and that almost maybe is more common, mm-hmm. not launching into a catalog
0: immediately. Yeah, and that, that's kind of like, uh, for instance, in uh, you see that, like with Ishmael, Esau. They're paired. They're paired together. Where a lot of times you have a trade-off. So, Adam uh, and Eve had uh their sons, Cain and Abel a uh, Cain, uh, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord, Eve says he kills Abel, and then at the end of that, it, well you see cain's uh genealogy through Lamech uh his evil uh, wicked line, and Lamech's even more evil and wicked than Cain was a uh, corruption begets corruption, sin begets sin. A guilt begets uh, guilt and spreads over the earth. And then the woman uh, says, uh, God has appointed me another seed, offspring, in place of Abel because Cain killed him. And we'll be looking at that, but Abel it was the offspring of the woman, now Seth is. Seth is the offspring, the the, uh, the righteous, uh, the believing Righteous, chosen offspring of the woman. And so you have basically these two lines those who are in solidarity with the serpent uh, and with uh, evildoers, sons of disobedience, a brood of vipers, uh, and those who are of the uh, chosen, believing, uh, righteous line. And Jesus talks about uh, the blood of all the righteous, from righteous Abel uh, to Zechariah, and we were talking about that last week. And so you have those who are in solidarity with God and those who are in solidarity with the serpent along the way. And so Cain's genealogy and Lamech is left in the dust, so to speak, uh, in the preceding section. And then Adam's line through Seth is developed and progresses. Uh, And we'll see that with... uh, In fact, go to, let's see, Genesis... End of chapter nine. And so it mentioned uh, the, the generations of Noah. Uh, and then it mentioned his progeny, his sons, who are going to figure importantly. And sometimes the forefather t- is heavily involved in the narrative, uh, like Noah. He takes a huge portion of it uh, along the way, a uh, believer, uh, and Abraham. Uh, he does a great deal uh in uh, in his narrative he's very prominent but it's still very interested in their seed in their offspring uh to come in god preserving and upholding uh his promises uh and his blessing uh and his purpose to establish his rule over over all the earth and so now as we get to the end of noah's generations look how it turns to his sons uh, verse 18 Uh, The sons of Noah went forth from the ark, or the sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. Uh, He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Uh, Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be Yahweh, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. kind of picks up on the the previous genealogy. Then, verse 10, or chapter 10, verse 1. These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, uh, Yavan, uh, Tuval, Meshech, and Tiras. And so it goes through uh, Japheth, it goes uh, then through Ham, and then Shem at the end of it. It kind of reverses the order. Uh, These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth. Then Ham. Then back to Shem. And so you have a chiastic structure throughout it. And so, again, it shows the Toledot. It points forward to their progeny uh, to follow. As you go to the end of that, uh, chapter 10, after Japheth, descendants Hams and Shems uh, look at uh, verse 31 so it concludes uh, with Shem uh, these are the sons of Shem by their clans their languages their lands and their nations Uh, these are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations and from these uh, the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. So you have an inclusio uh, with that, and then the Tower of Babel, uh, the spreading of this humanity, and then it goes into Shem's genealogy, but this time now, uh, not through uh, Eber's son, uh, Yoktan, but Peleg, which will lead to Terah, which will lead to Abraham. Uh, In chapter, uh, chapter 12, and so you see that there are lines that, even though Japheth is ultimately blessed, uh, Shem is blessed uh, first, and Japheth will dwell in his tents. Uh, and so Shem's line has chief importance, In uh, Canaan is cursed. And so first these lines are dealt with, and then it turns to Shem's line through Peleg, not Yoktan. Uh, because through Peleg, Terah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs, and Judah are all going to come in uh, the, the Davidic line uh, and, and all, of, all of Israel. And so now there are places where you see uh, that you have the introduction of the Toledo. The genealogy will come later, though. And so I'll preface, it just comes later. And so if you keep reading like with uh, uh with uh Jacob's uh Toledot account, these are uh the Toledo the generations of Jacob, and that gives the narrative and then it connects it with uh the genealogy to follow.
1: Where would you say in the case of Genesis two, four, when does that take place? When does that
0: genealogy take place? Well we'll look at we'll look at that uh when we get there, but uh, it starts with the uh, uh the back on the the sixth day, and so in uh the creation account, you have kind of the the macro picture looking at the really big picture, and even where it turns around uh, the phrase uh, the goes from the heavens and the earth to the earth and the heavens. Now it focuses very specifically on uh, the man uh and the woman uh and picks up with the sixth day. Uh, but now focus just on uh, humanity, uh, the first uh, progeny of the, uh, the, the heavens and the earth as far as, far as humans go. Is it just
1: the earliest clan, or is it kind of talking about everything you're going to hear about all the generations and all the future catalogs?
0: Uh, d- just dealing with uh, from uh, chapter, uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 4, uh, through the end of 4. So uh, the creation of the man and the woman, uh, the Garden the Rebellion uh, and Cain and Abel uh following it and Seth and so uh, you you have this frames into uh twelve sections, eleven totally following the creation uh at the the very beginning uh with uh this pointing forward to the the forefather, the progeny to come. And even though the forefather can play an important role, it's still very concerned with God raising up a progeny, offspring uh, for them through, uh, through the narrative. Uh, and then some of the, we've already touched on, kind of the genres that we've seen. Really, the genesis, so much of it, so much of the structure as you come out of creation is it's framed around genealogy. Uh, Genealogy is uh, incredibly important uh, for uh, Moses and for the the Israelites and uh, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so you have a narrative that's building, but it's building from these lines to line uh, to see God uh, preserve uh, offspring, uh, to preserve uh, believing righteous offspring along with all of his uh, promises Uh, Then let me just read this uh, quote by uh, Matthew, just summarizing uh, kind of the overall effect of uh, the Toledo sections. Uh, He says, uh, the theology of Genesis is reflected by the book's literary structure. Uh, The key feature of this is the recurring phrase, uh, these are the generations of, occurring 11 times, uh, which introduces new sections. Uh, the book profiles Israel's forefathers from Abraham from Adam to Abraham, uh, who were the chosen recipients and mediators of uh, the promises. Uh, the phrase also functions as the framework of the book, uh, indicating a continuum between the acts of creation and the subsequent events of human history, such that uh, the revelation given to Israel at Sinai has both universal and future implications. So he's saying goes all the way back to creation. And then you have a narrowing uh, with each line, each genealogy from all of humanity, uh, first man, first woman, and then through, uh, through Shem uh, and through uh, Terah and all the way, I, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, the 12 tribes, uh, Israel. And so you have a narrowing along the way. Uh, in the first... Uh, the first six major sections, five five toledotes, really deal with uh, kind of the nations at large and uh, what happens to them. Uh, with uh, they're multiplying, filling the earth, not just with humanity, but with bloodshed and violence. God judging, uh, and then uh, we'll see this in the future. But with Noah, uh, when you get to chapter eight. Suddenly, it begins again with new creation. It goes back. It kind of recapitulates uh, the whole first section uh, of the book. Uh, chapters 1 through 7 get to 8. Uh, right at the, the center, the heart of the flood, and God remembered Noah. And then you have new creation as the flood subsides along the way. It, it repeats what came before, uh, all the way to the spreading of humanity again, and now rebellion not the sons of God uh, from above, but uh, the sons of man from below building up the Tower of Babel to heaven. And God has to scatter them. And then Shem is kind of a bridge to uh, Terah and Abraham, uh, the Israel's forebears, uh, their direct forebears, uh, the patriarchs uh, along the way. And so we'll see that in detail. So there's, there's a lot more going on, but these Toledot sections, the generations are basically the, the main parts that uh, weave it all together.
1: If you get used to this narrowing, periodic narrowing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it narrows to one man, in
0: Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yet as the head of a new redeemed Israel and Jerusalem and humanity. And so you have these uh, corporate ideas and these corporate expectations and promises, sometimes individual, uh, sometimes collective corporate. And so the promises that he fulfills, he's going to make Israel a blessing to all nations, not just an earthly Jerusalem, but a heavenly Jerusalem uh, that you see all the way at the end of Revelation. And so you see that even with the, it uses the same language Uh, where Paul says that uh, God will uh, crush the serpent's head under your feet. So you have these corporate uh, ideas that are uh, bound up. And really, that leads right into our primary theme, uh, where we'll kind of of tie the generation accounts together, uh, these genealogies, uh, with uh, really kind of the central theme uh, that develops uh, throughout And so here's one way that I'd summarize uh, the theme of Genesis. I kind of modified this from an old class that I had back in college uh, studying Genesis uh, and kind of drawing together some things from uh, Alan P. Ross. uh, He he has a commentary. uh, And uh, Bill T. Arnold, he has an introduction to Genesis. But then kind of just synthesizing... uh, was reading in genesis and so god sovereignly and graciously overcomes sin evil and the curse uh, through uh, the offspring or oops, i missed part a god sovereignly and graciously overcomes sin evil and the curse and restores uh, his presence uh, blessing provision and rule uh, to his creation, through the chosen uh, seed or offspring of the woman, so he overcomes sin, evil, <coughs> and the curse uh, and restores or establishes uh, his presence, provision, blessing, and rule uh, over all the earth through uh, the chosen uh, offspring of the uh, woman and let 's just break this down a little bit so first off it 's through the the chosen. Uh, offspring of the, the woman. Uh, I know uh, Eric has spoken about this, and Bob and such. Uh, and we'll be able to look at it in more more detail. But just looking at Genesis 3, verse uh, 15, uh, where you see the, the curses, the judgments, and I don't want to downplay uh, the totality of the judgment and the curse uh, on the serpent, and the conflict between uh, the serpent and his respective offspring, those are in solidarity with him. And the woman and her respective offspring, those who are in solidarity uh, with her and ultimately with God. Uh, and also you see judgments upon uh, the woman. Uh, you, you see punishment. Yep, she'll, she'll there, there will still be offspring. Uh, she will still have progeny. But now it's going to become painful. It's going to become toilsome. Uh, and there's conflict between the man and the woman. Uh, and then with the man, yep, he's still going to eat. But the lamb's cursed now. Uh, and it's going to come through a uh, sweat, uh, and the sweat of his brow and the toil of his uh, hands. And so there's conflict with the land. And all of these themes uh, are important and develop throughout. They're programmatic for all of Genesis and all of the Bible. And so I don't want to downplay any of that. But you do see uh, this centrally in verse uh, 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, so speaking to the serpent, you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, uh, he shall strike your head and you uh, shall strike uh, his heel. or Strike him on the head, strike him on the heel. And we don't have time to go into detail and we're going to go into tremendous detail here I wouldn't divide it and say okay there's the many there's the one it's a corporate uh, idea called like generic reference or, or like a corporate reference and so I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring uh, he in Hebrew it's, it's uh, her offspring shall strike you on the head and you shall strike him on his heel. And so you see this conflict between the woman, the serpent, and their respective offspring. Next time you see offspring as we've spoken about, Louis to is God has appointed me another offspring, seed, in place of Abel for Cain killed him. It's not just that the seed is through uh, Seth. Uh, Seth is the seed of the woman. It's just not done yet. And so you have to keep reading. (laughs) And you'll find the the narrowing as you get to the end. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, uh, the nation through whom God's going to bring blessing. But then you also see, uh, very importantly, uh, the Davidic line set up through through Judah. And so uh, all of these promises uh, that ultimately only Yahweh can fulfill and bring to their climax, uh, his universal presence over all the earth, his provision, His blessing, His rule for all time, everywhere, heaven, on earth, uh, all of it. And you see that man disappoints along the way uh, in sinners. Uh, and so uh, there are expectations that Yahweh has to fulfill it. Uh, and you see that in uh, the Lord Jesus, the anointed. Uh, The the anointed uh, of David, the greater David, uh, who is Yahweh in the flesh, takes on humanity uh, to fulfill what man uh, could not. And so as you trace this out uh, throughout, uh, you have all of these genealogies. And so from all the way to Adam to Jacob uh, and his sons and their descendants and Joseph and his offspring after them and so through Adam uh, through Seth who's in Adam's generation account uh, through Noah, Shem and Peleg who's in Shem's Toledo generation's account uh, through Terah Abraham, Isaac, Jacob Jacob's 12 sons Judah and Perez and so here Uh, begins the hope that God is going to preserve offspring he is going to preserve his creation blessing uh, and he's going to establish uh, his rule over all the earth uh, through a redeemed uh, humanity Uh, that uh, the serpent uh, sin, evil, the curse and the serpent are going to be destroyed Uh, that he'll establish his presence, his blessing his provision and rule over all the earth Uh, in here this is where it gets bound up as we'll keep reading all of, all of his blessings and promises, his covenant to Noah, uh, his covenant to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, uh, all of his covenants, all of his promises uh, through uh, through this uh, line uh, but we said it's through uh, the chosen, believing righteous offspring of the woman, not all of her are of her offspring, and so uh, we'll see that it's through. Uh, Adam and Seth not Cain and his wicked descendant Lamech Uh, it's through Noah and Shem not Ham and Japheth Noah's other sons Uh, it's through Terah and Abraham not Nahor or Haran Uh, Abram's his brothers and Lot his nephew it's not through Lot Uh, it's through Isaac not Ishmael Jacob not Esau uh, Jacob's 12 sons Uh, and then particularly Judah, who receives the promise of uh, universal, everlasting kingship uh, and and rule. And so, God overcomes sin uh, and evil and the serpent through the offspring of the woman. Uh, And then just focusing on overcoming these things uh, along the way, uh, we're going to see that evil and sin and rebellion uh, is uh, a theme throughout uh, all of Genesis and throughout all of the Bible until you get to the very end of Revelation uh, is evil, finally, once for all, dealt with, uh, dealt with at the the cross, but then ultimately it's waiting uh, Lord Jesus Christ's second return. Doesn't that
1: explain everything?
0: Mm Mm-hmm, (laughs) mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, you mean the world? Yeah, yeah. And the more, more and more, we see and understand God's word, uh, the more we see just how sinful and wicked we are, and how sinful and wicked the world is. Uh, and we need to be conformed to to Christ's image. I've definitely been thinking of that a lot lately. And so. Here, just drawing out this theme of uh, of over, of overcoming evil and establishing his blessing uh for instance uh, God will uh, preserve uh the offspring of the woman uh through humanity sin rebellion corruption uh as we're, we're talking about already uh, the spread of man uh he multiplies fill, uh, fills the earth well this is a good thing isn't it Well, then he fills it with bloodshed and violence. And so God has to wipe, wipes out all of humanity, everything that walked and breathed on the earth, except for the animals that were in the ark with Noah and the eight. And then the Tower of Babel again. Now, after God has promised, I will not wipe out all of creation. I will not wipe out all of the creatures that I've made I will not wipe out all of humanity in a flood again they build the tower of Babel in rebellion against, uh, against Yahweh so this time he confuses their languages and scatters them across the face of the earth if they're not going to fill the earth God's going to scatter them they're, they're up to, to no good uh, to establish uh, a name reputation uh, their own rule upon the earth their provision their name, their glory on the earth, uh, which always ends up being a really bad thing. Uh, and then, yeah, so Noah, you know, the flood and the Tower of Babel are classic uh, examples uh, of the evil of humanity across all, all the, uh, the earth. Uh, but then he preserves more particularly not just the, uh, the chosen, believing, righteous offspring of the woman, but of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who... Connect back to her as well, uh, and so uh, he preserves them from the uh, the evil of the world and all of the nations. And so you have, for example, the invading uh, kings uh, that come uh, through the land and lot ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, basically under the dominion of King of Sodom, uh, and all of these kings uh, come uh, come through, uh, marauding and uh, Destroying and pillaging and even taking a lot uh, away with them uh, He's wrapped up and bound up with, with all of it uh, And Abraham has to go and uh, rescue him And Yahweh was his shield uh, He protected him And so Melchizedek uh, blesses uh, Abraham and uh, Yahweh uh, the, the creator and possessor of all the earth just yeah.
2: Say when you were saying give glory to man, it, it kind of reminded me of you know a, a lot of Christian movies. They have some good points in them, but I noticed one similarity that I you know Hollywood does not hit is they give the glory. Normally, it seems like the emphasis is on the man, mm-hmm. where you know the accounts like you know Noah or you know Abraham. There, the Bible normally shows oh well, they're just men and God decided to choose them they apart are. from what mm-hmm. they did. I said, you know, it was righteous. But it's, you know, it's it's God that does the work, whereas, you know, it's kind of the glory thing that I kind of noticed in a lot
0: of Yeah, times. yeah. And the, the important thing, like, about Noah, you see these themes throughout, where after Seth is born, and then his son Enosh, uh, it says, uh, then began, uh, Yahweh's name began to be like called upon. And so there, there's still those who worship uh, Yahweh, who call upon His name. You see these themes kind of throughout. And so Enoch walked with God. You have a believer, someone, those who call upon His name, uh, those who uh, walk with God, walking out, carrying their lives uh, in humble submission and dependence upon uh, upon God, their uh, their Creator and Savior. Uh, and Noah says that. Uh, he was righteous, he found favor in God's sight uh, and first you, hit, you have the favor, you see God's graciousness, but that he was righteous in all his generation and uh, God will give him commandments he'll say in Noah, he obeyed uh, Yahweh, he obeyed God, he obeyed the voice of God uh, and then at the end as he comes off the ark he builds an altar and he offers sacrifice uh, to Yahweh uh, to acknowledge him his provision and so you see believers throughout those who call upon his name those who trust in him who uh, believe him uh, those who uh, obey him uh, those who walk with him uh, in their uh, in their lives and then you see their foibles too like at the end of Noah's life drunk naked in his tent uh, we we're just about to even get about so God protecting like the the patriarchs Uh, also Joseph from uh, Potiphar's Wife. Jack goes back to the temptation. Only difference with Joseph, it says, and he refused. Mm -hmm. And he refused. And no, my my master has put me over, you know, everything in his house, and he doesn't even know what goes on in his his own house. Uh, And he's entrusted me with everything except for you, his wife. So how could I do this evil thing and sin against God? (laughs) You know, that's his big, big point at the end. And so, God was with Joseph. Uh, you see that throughout. God was with Joseph uh, along the way. And so, if there's anything to commend of, of men, it's that they were believers. Uh, if they're a model in any sense of the way, it's that they trusted in Yahweh and called upon his name. Uh, and so, you know, so should we. The
2: beautiful so. thing about them trusting in Yahweh is Yahweh called them to trust in him and gave them that ability. I mean,
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yes, he grants repentance and faith. Uh, But then, not just from the evil of the world and all the wicked, evil, wayward nations, as Eugene Merrill said, wayward nations, but from their own sin and evil. Abraham, she's my sister, endangering all of God's promises and the offspring to come. God was going to use Sarai to... Uh, uphold, preserve, restore, establish his blessing. And Abraham just, she's my sister. <laughs> and so the Egyptians take her. Uh, and you think of uh, Joseph's uh, brothers plotting to kill and murder him. Uh, but instead, uh, they sell him into slavery uh, down to Egypt. And you get to the end of, of all of that, you see all their wickedness. A uh, Judah uh, marries a Canaanite. Gets a Canaanite wife for his Canaanite children uh, along the way. Uh, Ends up committing a gross immorality uh, with thinking that, oh, here's this cult prostitute. Well, then it turns out it was his uh, uh, daughter-in-law. And so just wicked. Uh, And then finds out that she's pregnant. Have her uh, to be burnt, you know. And the, well she was more righteous than I was because he wouldn 't give her to to his son and so but through through that relationship that God brought the Davidic line and ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ, you see that as genealogy in Matthew. and Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute, probably called prostitute along the way you you see people, but she became a believer, she feared Yahweh and she repented of her sin uh and Oh, what's his uh, name? Uh, Achan, I believe at the time, Israelite, rebelled against Yahweh and was destroyed like the Canaanites. And so, you know, a Canaanite who would repent and turn to God was received and accepted by them. But you see even the patriarchs own evil along the way, Rebekah and Jacob, uh, their deception, instead of just trusting that God would, the older shall serve the younger. Thus, Yahweh has spoken. they tried to take it into their own hands uh, and uh, deceive Esau and Isaac uh, and led to Esau, trying to kill Jacob and uh, Rebekah never saw Jacob again because he went away uh, for uh, for uh, quite some time, many years twenty over twenty years uh, before he came home and so it led to hardship along the way, but Yahweh not only uses evil as uh, Carl Truman has said and heard elsewhere but I just heard him emphasize it he subverts evil to bring about his good purposes mm. and so with Joseph and his brothers as for you you intended you, you meant evil against me but God meant it for good he was bringing about his good purposes even through their evil and wicked actions subverting them uh, to, uh, to preserve a chosen, believing, righteous offspring, and even, even graciously bringing, uh, Joseph's, uh, brothers to, uh, repentance, uh, before, uh, before the end of the narrative. And so, uh, all of this evil that's overcome through the chosen, believing, righteous line, of offspring, as God preserves, uh, offspring along the way, and, uh, The promises of his presence, his blessing, uh, his creation blessing, his uh, provision and rule over all the earth. Uh, And then finally, let's see, go to Genesis 49. And we've looked at this before. Poetry also plays an important part a lot of times concluding uh, many sections and or toward the end. So Lamech, he has his little ditty, little poem. Uh, I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for uh, bruising me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. And even drawing attention that he has two wives right after the rebellion in the garden. Lamech has two wives. It keeps repeating that, two wives. Uh, There's something wrong here. So. And then uh so you see poetry throughout, even Noah at the end with uh the blessing of uh curse against uh Ham's son, uh Canaan, blessing of Shem and Japheth. Uh but then Genesis uh forty-nine, uh Numbers forty-two, and they have poems before too, forty-eight, forty-nine, numbers twenty-three, twenty-four, uh Deuteronomy uh thirty two, thirty-three. But these final ones, Genesis 49, Numbers 24, and Deuteronomy 33, have a blessing. Uh, they end with a, a blessing. And uh, scholar Seilhammer uh, has uh, done some good work uh, showing these things, just kind of how it holds together, again, seeing the big picture of the Torah, not just Genesis, but the end of Genesis and linking it into the, uh, the Torah. Where you have these sections where a patriarch uh, will summon all of his sons and tell them uh, what's to happen in the the latter days or really it's the days uh, to come uh, to follow so not just the very very end of all things but it looks it's forward looking it's programmatic for the rest of scripture and the rest of biblical salvation history uh, looking forward for the things to come so Uh, at the end of all these Toledotes, and altogether, you have the 12 sections, the 12 tribes as you come to the end, and then a blessing for the 12 tribes. So Genesis 49, verse 1. Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the firstfruits of my strength. Preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. Unstable as water, you shall not have preeminence, uh, because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. So, Reuben is not going firstborn, not going to have preeminence. Simeon and Levi, uh, weapons of violence are in their hands. Uh, they won't be pre- preeminent either. They're going to be scattered in Israel, although. Levi, the priesthood. Wow, uh-huh. uh, and then Judah, of oh, all well, you know, the fourth of Leah, uh, the unfavored wife. <laughs> there you have the the kingship uh, in the hope and promise of an everlasting, universal rule over all the earth for all time, which is going to go to the D- Davidic line and you know all all the way to the end, uh, to uh, the ultimate anointed himself. Then quickly go to Numbers 24. Uh, Balaam, uh, there, Bob was just talking about this in Sunday school. So he has these, well, he tries to curse, but he blesses instead. Uh, and he does that three times. Uh, the fourth time, he's going to take things into his own hands. And the fourth, as I recall, it's broken up into four sections addressing kind of four different uh, people groups, nations, so you have kind of seven blessings all together, uh, but woven around uh, Israel in the promises and uh, the hope uh, of God's presence, provision, blessing, and rule uh, with and in and through the nation. And so let's uh, start, let's see, verse. Or let me just double check this too. Uh, 24, verse uh, 14. Or, let's see. Or maybe a tough one because of the... I forget sometimes to check the Hebrew versification versus the the English. Uh, so, yeah, oh, verse 14, that's right. So, <coughs> Uh, Balak uh, reprimands him for uh, not you know, not uh, cursing Israel. And just read from verse 12. Uh, and Balaam said to Balak, uh, "Did I not tell your messengers whom you sent me uh, or, or whom you sent to me, if Balak uh, should give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not be able to go uh, beyond the word of Yahweh uh, to do either good or bad of my own will. What Yahweh speaks, uh, that will I speak." And now, behold, I am going to my people. Come, I will let you know what this people will do to your people in the latter days, in the days to come. And he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, Balaam the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is open. And he goes on to bless Israel and to tell about the destruction in judgment that's going to come upon, upon Balak and Moab he's the king of uh, Moab uh, in uh, the days to come uh, and a lot of these things are d- drawn uh, into the Davidic covenant and just following is God subdues uh, their enemies and then finally Deuteronomy go to 32 I believe it's actually at the end of uh, 31 Deuteronomy 31 And so let's just look from, could maybe read earlier, but verse 28. Assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you. And in the days to come, evil will befall you because you will do what is evil in the sight of Yahweh provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. Then Moses spoke the words of this song until they were finished in the ears of all the assembly of Israel. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Uh, may my teaching drop his rain. And so here you have about the judgment, God's ultimate salvation, and then the blessing follows in uh, Moses' final blessing for Israel in Chapter 33, uh, just like Jacob in uh, Genesis 49 uh, for the 12 tribes. uh, Again, for the 12 tribes in Deuteronomy 33 uh, and also with uh, Balaam, uh, Numbers 23, 24. And so this kind of weaves together. You see all of these generations throughout uh, in the 12 tribes uh, and uh, all of them, the priesthood uh, and uh, the Davidic uh, uh, kingship and king uh, to come. Uh, and these develop all the way into the the New Testament, uh, and so uh, as we know, and you know, we can read ahead. Uh, the The King has come, uh, and he now sits, uh, ascended at the right hand of the Father, interceding for all those who uh, call upon him, uh, dying uh, for for all of our sins. So, I hope this helps. Just see some of the big picture, but then we'll be able to elaborate on it and give more detail. Uh, in flesh it's uh, kind of the skeletal structure that we've laid out uh, beginning next time with uh, creation, uh, Lord willing. So let's uh, close with prayer. <coughs> Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word and uh, thank you for all of your promises and that uh, you could have, you would have been right and just to uh, just right, wipe out uh, the man, the woman, uh, when they sinned and rebelled against you but uh, you, uh, preserved, uh, offspring. Uh, you preserved offspring you preserved those who uh, believe in you who call upon your name uh, because uh, ultimately through Abraham, Isaac Jacob, uh, through uh, the patriarchs, the twelve tribes and through Judah and David uh, you uh, have brought in about a savior, uh, your eternal son Uh, yahweh in the flesh uh, who sits seated at your right hand and uh, we thank you for him pray that our hope and trust would be in him and that uh, we would uh, live to honor and glorify and serve you uh, all by uh, your grace and your salvation in your son and by your spirit we pray in his name amen